Which internet radio station has the guts to break all the rules of radio and put a plosive P at the end of their name? Radio Nope. Hi, this is Dave Hill from Show Business. You're listening to Music On with Music Off. I nailed it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Music On with Music Off. talk about sex and I know some of you here tonight thinking about and the girl next to you is wondering if you're thinking about it girl asked me a couple of weeks ago she said can you can you fuck me and hurt me I said you got damn right so I fucked and hit in the head with a brick People have said I was dirty because I've said shit, fuck. Well, to me, fuck is not dirty. Fuck is only dirty when you don't wash up. Now, believe that if there's any prudes here. I could say intercourse, but if you're doing it right, you fucking. Fellas, tell the truth, in your whole life, you never heard a girl say, oh, intercourse me, intercourse me. No, 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 they don't say that. Girls are clever, because they know if they say intercourse me, your worm might fall. So they tell it like it is. Fuck me, hold it right there, don't move it. Yeah, I, I, see, I don't like a whole lot of talking. And asking me a bunch of fucking questions. Is it good? Is it good? Oh, Dad, is it good? This shit is better than string beans. How come all the Irish girls go for Italian sausage? I wouldn't know, sweetheart. Where do you get the check? Was... I know a few Irish girls that don't go for Italian sausage. They go for kosher beef. Right, sweetie? Isn't that nice? I never feel old until I look at you. I was built like you when I was six years old. Isn't she pretty? My nipples are bigger than your tits. I thought you didn't understand English. And I'm sure he didn't have time to. I, I think before she didn't hear me, right? I say don't knock it if you never tried it. And uh, I don't knock anybody. An obstitute is a prostitute that's destitute in an institute. You're not listening to a star. Hey, Billy, don't you sit with your ass to a star or I'll bury you. my job, Billy. And I want to thank you for the lovely flowers you sent me last night. I don't know if he loves me, wants to bury me. He sent me a wreath and it said, what did it say? In, in memoriam? What did it say? In decorium? Peace. Peace. Oh, yeah, it's been a long time since I had a good peace, baby. You sure didn't say peace? This is one of the greatest followers of show people. 
Are you after my body or after my talent? Because I have both. I, as a whole, I'm all right. And if you could fill my hole, you'd be all right. With your mouth or your jaguar. I don't know where I get these lines. Oh, I'm so gorgeous. Shut up, I'll bury you. A lot of folks think Puerto Ricans are responsible for cockroaches. I want to clear that up right now. We didn't bring them here. When we got here, they were living in the apartments we live in now. But they're strong. I'm afraid of them. They adapt to any environment. They learned how to talk in my building. They would threaten me before I went out. Freddy, where are you going? To the grocery store, huh? Don't come back with no roach poison or we lock you out. And you can't kill roaches. We should send them to war. They are incredibly strong. Now you step on them, you hear them snap. As soon as you lift your foot, they run like hell. I think they know that we believe the snap means they're dead. Right now, their foot going, jumping. And that's not Chico, but that's certainly the man himself, Mr. Freddie Prince, from his record of 1975 entitled Looking Good Before Freddie. We heard from Bell Barth from the Frolic Theater in Massachusetts that was recorded in 1963. And starting off the top of the set, we heard from Mr. Red Fox himself with his raunchy bit just simply entitled Six. I'm your host, Brian Musikoff. You're listening to Music On with Musikoff. What's the big idea, Brian? <laughs> Leave me alone! The big idea of this episode, of course, is stand-up comedy. Here now is Patton Oswalt. Leave Patton alone! Here's another sweatpants story for everybody. And I think you guys have a little sweatpants adventure for you guys. I was out shopping, grocery shopping. I'm in my sweatpants, I'm in my matching color t-shirt, and flip-flops, ladies. So, got my crumbled up shopping list, and I'm staggering around, the hell I gotta buy And our supermarket has a deli counter where you can walk up and they'll cut you up a pound of ham, turkey, cheese, anything you want, cut it up fresh, boom, off you go. But then to save everybody time, they will pre-cut one pound things of ham, turkey, cheese. So you can walk up and go, I'll get two cheeses, I'll get a ham, and boom, you're on your way. So I'm staggering up to the counter with my list, and I vaguely see that the next guy in line is this morbidly obese guy. Huge. And he's the next guy in line at the counter, and he's blocking part of the counter. And what I can't see is there's only one one pound thing of pre-cut ham in the ham bin. There's only one left. I can't see that. All I hear as I approach him is him say, I want all the ham. <laughs> That's all I hear. <laughs> Meaning he just wants that one thing. But to, I immediately ran away around the corner into the next aisle and started laughing my ass off. Not, I wasn't even laughing at him. I was thinking of the guy at the deli counters going, gulp, here we go. And then like, eye of the tiger starts up, like he's doing it. It's happening. Then I thought, what if a third party witnessed that? What if a third person was 20 yards away and all they see is a guy dressed like me with a crumpled piece of paper. And he's approaching this morbidly obese guy at a deli counter. And just as he gets there, the morbidly obese guy goes, I want all the ham. And the other paper goes, oh shit, and he runs away. He might, he might honestly believe that he just saw the future get doomed. Because obviously, the morbidly obese guy is destined to begin working out and become this cut, muscular warrior of the wasteland and save humanity from the robot lizards that have taken over in 40 years. And the few remaining humans have sent me, this emissary, back to read him 
the message and tell him of his destiny. But we have historical records. We know we have to get to him before he decides to commit ham suicide at the pavilions in Burbank, California. And I'm clearly woozy from the time tunnel, and I'm trying to get to him, and I'm almost there when he says, I want all the ham. Like, oh, God, we're doomed. We need to find another warrior. It's harder being gay than it is being black. It is, because there's some things that I had, there's, there's some things that I have, had to do as gay that I didn't have to do as black. I didn't have to come out black. <laughs> I didn't have to sit my parents down and tell them about my blackness. I didn't have to sit them down. Mom, Dad, I gotta tell y'all something. I hope you still love me. I'm just gonna say it. Mom, Dad, I'm black. What? What did she just say? Oh, Lord Jesus, she didn't say black, Lord. Did she say black? Mom, I'm black. Oh, Lord, Lord Jesus, that's black. Jesus. Give a cancer, Lord. Give a cancer. Anything but black, Lord. It's like, Mom, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm black. I'm, that's just how it is. No. no, you know what? You've been hanging around black people. You've been hanging around black people, and they got you thinking you black. They twisted your mind. It's like, no, Mom, I'm, I'm black. That's just, that's just how it is. I'm like, what did I do? What did I do? I knew I shouldn't have let you watch Soul Train. Was it Soul Train? <laughs> no, Mom, it wasn't Soul Train, Mom. It's just, it's just who I am. I was, I was just born black. Oh, you weren't born black. I don't want to hear that. Uh-uh, you won't born black. The Bible says Adam and Eve, not Adam and Mary J. Blige. Different people have, you know, different weird phobias. Like, I am terrified that I will get stuck in an elevator and have to poop. <laughs> that fear rules my world. I have walked up miles of stairs with the knowledge that I have a grilled cheese from seven hours ago, locked and loaded. And I will never go into an elevator in a parking garage, ever. Because if that elevator gets stuck, you know who hears your screams? Nobody. And a couple months later they go, hey, what's wrong with that elevator? And they pry open the doors and there's a skeleton and it pooped and it's me. The ice cream truck in my neighborhood plays Helter Skelter. <laughs> a couple of nights ago, I came home very late. It was the next night. I was having a little bit of trouble getting into my apartment. I accidentally took out a car key and I stuck it into the door and turned it and the building started up. <laughs> So I drove it around for a while. <laughs> it went too fast and the police pulled me over. They said, where do you live? I said, right here. <laughs> then I parked it in the middle of a highway and I ran out the front door and yelled at all the cars to get the hell out of my driveway. <laughs> Nobody who lives in the building noticed that the building had been moved because everybody who lives in the building is absolutely insane. <laughs> The man who lives above me designed synthetic hairballs for ceramic cats. The woman who lives beside me tried to rob a department store with a pricing gun. She walked in and said, give me all the money in the vault or I'll mark down everything in the store. 
It's a good apartment to live in because they allow pets. I have a pony. <laughs> I have a Shetland pony named Nikki. I like to ride him around the apartment. I have to flip an album and ride him over to the stereo. If I want to make a sandwich, I ride him into the kitchen, but sometimes his hoofs slide on the tiles and he falls down. <laughs> Last summer, he was involved in a bizarre electrolysis accident. All the hair is removed except for the tail. Now I rent him out to Hare Krishna family picnics. Hey, Mantan. Come here, Mantan. Tell me about that little French girl. You know, the little girl was in school in Paris. And somebody wrote F-U-C-K on the board. <laughs> and she looked at the teacher and said, Mademoiselle, says, what is the pronunciation of F-U-C-K? <laughs> teacher said, that's fuck. <laughs> she said, fuck, you know, country fuck. There's <laughs> no word like that in the French language. So the teacher says, you don't know what fuck means, honey, says, that means to serve. She said, merci, madame. Two weeks later, she come to New York. They gave a coming out party for her. They invited three of the armless cats down to that party. They was coming down the street, and one cat said, I'm going to that party and pitch a bitch tonight. The other guy said, look, you're going to some fine people's home now. You cut out that nasty talk. They go to the party, and everything is going on fine all at once. The landlady says, are you enjoying yourself? And the bad talking guy wouldn't say nothing, just shook his head. She looked at him and said, are you enjoying yourself? He said, yes. So the woman said, well, dear, says, Marie says, time to go and serve the chicken. She said, merci, madame. And she started in the kitchen and stumbled over this bad talking fella's foot. She said, pardon me, sir, while I go into the kitchen and fuck the chicken. <laughs> he looked around at his buddy and said, shit, if this is going to be that kind of party, I'm going to stick my dick in the mashed potato. Mantan Moreland, off of his 1970 album entitled, That's Not My Finger. And if you don't know where the punchline of that joke was sampled, then I'm not speaking to you anymore. Actually, you know what? I will speak to you. Call me. We need to speak. We heard Stephen Wright with his bit called Apartment. That's taken from his album of 1985 entitled I Have a Pony, preceding Mr. Wright. We heard from the Mr. Dana Gould, a bit called Phobias, preceding Dana. We heard from Miss Wanda Sykes, Gay vs. Black. And starting off the top of that set, we heard from Patton Oswalt, The Ham Incident, taken from his album of 2011 entitled Finest Hour. If you've seen a recent picture of Patton, you'll see that he is looking like a million bucks. And I guess if you've seen a picture of the woman he just married, it all makes perfect sense, know what I mean? So guess what? Here's Mr. Dave Hill. I went to uh, Japan recently, um, backing things up a little bit. As those of you who have been following my career from the very beginning are well aware, aside from my unstoppable show business career, I'm also an incredible rock musician. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I do play in a rock band with a bunch of other sad, aging white guys. We're called Valley Lodge, and we're incredible. Um, thank you. Thank you. No, it's true. Somehow, uh, through the magic of the internet, I got this email one day from a Japanese promoter, and he's like, Dave, would you and your bandmates like to come over here and tour Japan? And I write back to this guy. I'm like, fuck yeah, motherfucker. We'll, we'll rock the fuck out of those fuckers. So I call up the guys in my band. We get on a plane with our guitars and our tightest pants and our cocks and balls and everything, and we just like fly the fuck over Japan to start rocking the fuck out of people. Pretty much wherever the people of Japan just need their asses handed to them by our unstoppable brand of rock and roll ass kick, and we just like showed up and kicked them in nuts with, you know, our, the compositions we'd written and our spare time. 
And I don't know how many of you have ever been to Japan before, but I've never been there before. And I can honestly say it's the most awesome and amazing place on earth. It's like super beautiful and futuristic, and everyone's weirdly excited about everything all the time. There's like a higher percentage of exclamation points per capita over there. But the best thing about Japan is the toilets. And it's not like here in America where we have like one basic kind of toilet. And I'm not complaining about the American toilet. It's like a fine toilet, like I got a decent enough track record with it and everything. <laughs> but in Japan, they have like four or five different awesome and amazing toilets. And I would just use them wherever and whenever possible. And I want to tell you about my favorite toilet they have over here. And this is the toilet. I, you know, I'd seen the whole time we were on tour, but I never thought I had the level of privacy or intimacy I needed to really go to town on this thing. <laughs> Until the last stop of the tour, Tokyo, I finally have my own hotel room and it has one of these toilets in it. And this toilet, like to the naked eye, just looks like a regular toilet, right? But then on the side, there's like this command center, sort of like <laughs> in a jet fighter. And then, you know how like in Europe they have the bidet? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like this European, like, like ass-blasting machine. <laughs> well, I'd seen those things before, but I never bothered to use them because I figured if I wanted my ass to be all wet and drippy, like, I never would have gone into the bathroom in the first place. <laughs> anyway, in Japan, they combine the toilet and the bidet into this one futuristic thing. I can't even wrap my head around. The last show of the tour is like two hours away. I know this is no time to be getting in any trouble. The guys are waiting downstairs, but I'm like, it's now or never. This is my time to shine, right? So I go in the bathroom, I shut the door behind me, I sit down, I use the toilet, and I'm pretty far along in the transaction when I look on the command center thing and there's this button and it's got what looks like the letter M on it, right? And then above it is like these water droplets coming down and that, that's like the butt button, right? And then in front of that is there's like a volume knob or something and I just like crank it up as high as it'll go so I'm just like, fuck it, I'm on vacation. So then I close my eyes, close my eyes and I hit the butt button, this jet stream comes out. I don't know if there's like an electronic eye on this thing that scanned me or something, but I hit the butt button, somehow it just like found me right where I needed to be found. Up until that point in my life, I never gave them thoughts like, oh, if I get blasted in the anus with water, or what temperature and water pressure do I want it to be? But it doesn't matter, because the Japanese have figured that out for you too. As it turns out, it's exactly 72 degrees. And it's not so much like being like, like poked in the anus over and over again. It's more like, it's more like, um, just, just like, just kind of, just being like gently tapped in the anus over and over again. It's beautiful. So I start hitting the butt button over and over again. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And after like 45 minutes, I'm drenched in sweat and I'm like fading in and out of consciousness and everything. And I look down at the command center again, there's this other button. It's got like a silhouette of a lady on it, sort of like on a women's restroom. And I'm thinking, well, I guess that's the lady parts button, but I'm not a lady. I wasn't even sure how the electronic eye would assess the situation. Like, I don't want to confuse the technology, but then I was just like, when am I going to start living my life? <laughs> so then I closed my eyes again. And I hit the lady parts button to blast me, like, right? <laughs> Do you know, and, and like the taint area? You, and then you know how you spend your whole life thinking, well, I don't want to get blasted in the taint with water. Then you do get blasted in, your, in the taint with water. You're like, God, I go my whole life without getting blasted in the taint with water every single day. So I start hitting the taint button over and over and over. And I go back to the butt button. I go back to the taint button. I go back to the butt, butt, taint, butt, butt. Finally, after like two hours of this, I, I see that bright light that you hear about and I'm like floating over my own body. One of my bandmates bursts into the, my room and he's like, come on, we're gonna go rock the fuck out of Tokyo. So I pulled up my pants and I marched on out of there and I rocked the fuck out of Tokyo with a cleaner ass and tain area than, than anyone that's ever rocked the fuck out of Tokyo before. Thank you. I wanna, um, okay, I wanna take, a, do like 45 minutes of Q&A. No. I don't know if you've been following the, some of the things that are going on here in Vegas, but they break me up. Like, they're having a big topless thing going on up in Henderson, you know, they're closing the topless clubs up there. And they have a, an all-girl topless band at the Aladdin, and you can't get close to the place. It's jammed every night, you know, and they all go to watch the drummer or the, uh, or the accordion player, you know. <laughs> and applaud her, you know, at the end of the show, and no matter how badly she played. Because that is a, it's a feat of some kind, I guess. 
no, not a feat, but it is, a, you know, whatever. <laughs> that was a bad phrase. But almost every major city, except Las Vegas, because of the Lido show and the Full Labor show, they have a problem with topless clubs. You know, they don't, uh, in, in, like in New York or Chicago or Los Angeles, the craze really started in Los Angeles. Usually what happens is the, um, the city fathers will go down to one of these clubs for like six or eight weeks, you know, and try to decide whether they're, they're violating an ordinance or not, you know. <laughs> and Los Angeles, which started the whole thing, uh, we not only have dinner topless clubs, they are starting luncheon topless clubs, and they're now starting breakfast topless clubs. This is true, I'm not making this up. Now these are two guys, this is a little short thing, two guys walk into a bar, a restaurant, it's a topless restaurant, only they don't know that it's a topless club, you see. Yeah, this, this is a real nice place, Harry. It sure is, yeah. They, they must have great food here, huh? They do a hell of a luncheon business, don't they? Huh? <laughs> hmm? Oh, hi. Hi, hi, hi miss. Um... <clears throat> don't, don't stare at her, Harry. Just look at the table like I'm doing. Right? <clears throat> yeah, I'd like a... I'd like a um... I like a, a, a scotch on the rocks. Water, water, water will be fine. Se seven up, whatever you have, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> two, two seven up and water, that, that'll be fine, yeah. <laughs> is, she, is she gone? Is she gone? Yeah. Do, do you believe that, Harry? Did you see that? <laughs> oh, she must have been late for work, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, we, be we better get out of here, yeah. They can, they're gonna raid this place, no question about it. We better call the wives, tell them we're here. You, you got any change on you? I don't, oh, hi, hi, miss. Uh, you, have a, you have a pair of nickels, uh, two nickels for a dime. Thank you, you think I'm overdressed, this is my slip. <laughs> the truth about what I'm wearing. I used to work as a lampshade in Las Vegas. Now, you may think my legs are funny. <laughs> but there's one man in this world who's absolutely crazy about my legs. Colonel Sanders. The funny thing is that modern medical science never comes up with anything to help me. Now, I thought I found something on my own. I found a money-back guarantee on a beauty cream. <laughs> Rushed down to the store, they took one look at me, paid me in advance. <laughs> so then I bought one of those girdles with the magic fingers. Wouldn't you know the one I got had arthritis? <laughs> so then I tried out that new baking soda deodorant. It only works if you're sitting in the refrigerator. So then I went into the dress department. I told the lady I was a medium. Well, she wanted me to contact her dead Uncle Fred. <laughs> so then she absolutely insisted that I try on this certain dress. She said, Madam, this dress is so sexy it'll give your husband ideas. I said, why, does a brain come with it? <laughs> so then I went over to the perfume counter and talked to the lady with the blue hair. My goodness. Your circulation is worse than mine. <laughs> and I told her I wanted to buy something sexy to catch a man. You ready? Sold me 20 feet of rope and a gun. Because <laughs> you know, we are living in the midst of the world's greatest sexual revolution. And what do you want to bet? I end up on the losing side. <laughs> Not that damn paper sack. Well, at the second? Yeah, what, what is that? But these are smart pills. They what? Smart pills, that's what these are. Smart pills? Yeah, you eat some of them and make a real smart pill. Right? Is that right? You daggone right, that's what I mean. Smart pills, huh? They're smart pills. I ain't never heard of no damn smart pills. No, who tell them? No, I ain't never heard of tell them. Well, you can't. I'm the first one got them, Leroy. <laughs> yeah, I'm the first one got them. Smart pills. Yeah. yeah. yeah Looks like you really enjoying them, too. Yeah, they're very good. Yeah, why don't you give me some of them smart pills? Well, Leroy, you might not like them, you know. 
I don't know. I like everything I eat. Everything I eat, I like it. Do you know that's yet? Yeah, but you might not like these smart pills, Leroy. You don't know whether I like them or not, man. I'm yeah. tired of being dumb. I might as well do something to get smart. You understand that? Yeah, I don't understand what you mean. Well, give me some of them damn smart pills you got in that damn paper sack, man. Well, you can have some. Can I have some up? Yeah, but don't take them all now. I don't take them all. Go, go, go get some yeah. out there. Boy, let me put my hand out here and give me some of these damn smart pills. Don't take them all, will you, Leroy, please? I don't take them all, no. Oh, <laughs> ah. them smart pills, they got a funny damn taste, man. A funny taste of them, well, Maybe you got a bad one. I don't know what the hell I got, but let me try to get another one, man. <laughs> smart pills. Yeah, but he is, yeah. <laughs> Say, man, they still don't taste right to me. No? No, they don't taste right. Don't taste right, huh? No, man, hell, these damn pills taste like cat shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they is. See, you getting smarter already. <laughs> Come inside my mind and see what it's like when a comedian eats the big one. <laughs> Come on in. Ha, I'm doing brilliant. I'm improvising like crazy. No, you're not, you fool. You're just doing pee-pee caca, no substance. You're not talking about any truth, no realities. Why don't you change the nature of man instead of just talking about drugs and people passing out? Help the world. Shut up, both of you. I'm the rational mind. We'll have to release the subconscious. He'll be the arbitrator. <laughs> Not tonight. <laughs> page intellect. Uh, page and intellect. Sequence to be amrak phase and ego check. <laughs> Too late. Sequence phasing and now killer routine. One B phase in now. These two goys walk into a bar. <laughs> Early positive response. Go to killer routine B phasing in now. Ego check again. Hey, I'm fantastic. Too late. Phasing in now. Moving in. Where are you from? Early warning signals. Go to secondary routine now. Anything goes. Try dynamite drug routine. 1B. Killer response. Tragically hip routine. Phasing in now. How about that Babylonian Tupperware? <laughs> mayday. 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 <laughs> All systems overload. Ego check now. seen the movie. Move to secondary response. Secondary response. Memory tape. Playback. But first, Vegas. Pity response. 1B. Try to go up. Send in the clown. <laughs> Not buying the bullshit. Career over. Anything goes. Memory tape. Look for memory tape. Oh, family fam. Playback now. Phasing now. Miss Williams, I dropped the baby. I don't know why. Daddy? Daddy? Laurie, let's move. He'll never find us. Father? Father, I want to be an actor. Watch. To be or... Damn. Oh, systems overload, subconscious, finding its way through. <laughs> well, fuck you, what do you want from me anyway? Mr. Robin Williams shot out of a cannon like Crazy Harry from The Muppet Show. That's off the record. Reality, what a concept. Released in 1979, bit called Come Inside My Mind. Preceding Mr. Williams, we heard from Leroy and Skillet, Smart Pills. Miss Phyllis Diller before that from a concert of hers from the year 1978. Before Miss Diller, we heard from Mr. Bob Newhart, a bit called Topless Clubs. And starting off the entire set, we heard from Mr. Dave Hill off of his album, Let Me Turn You On. Here's some comedy from Beyond the Grave. It's Mom's Mabley. You know, my mom's always glad to see her friends, especially... Girls I went to school with and boys. But you know, I don't understand middle-aged people nowadays. I don't understand them. I don't know. No sooner than I got here last Friday, I was in a hurry trying to make rehearsal and everything. And that stood right up beside the stage door. Stood a friend of mine. Honest to goodness, I, I, I'm, I'm, young, I, I'm older than she is and she looked like my mother. <laughs> There she stood a hell over her head, all big and fat, waiting on me. And, and just a grinning, stand up there grinning. <laughs> Didn't have but one tooth and it was right in front. <laughs> I think she working at the biggest shop snapping holes and donuts down there. <laughs> I said, girl, why don't you... She come to me, you sure do look good. I said, why don't you fix yourself up? Your husband did. You got all that insurance and all them houses. I said, why don't you fix yourself up? 
take off some of that weight and lift up some of it. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Look at your head. She say, you, you make me feel so bad. I said, I don't care if I do. I said, pick yourself up. She said, you make me feel like committing to it, Todd. She said, how you commit to it, Todd? I said, all you got to do is just to get you a good 38 and be sure it's loaded all the way around. Measure three inches below your left breast and pull the trigger. Don't you know that fool went home and shot herself through the knee? So she walks in the house, the rep says, Another dress? You bought another dress? This is ridiculous. That's the third dress this week. And his wife tells him, The devil made me buy this dress. <laughs> hey, I didn't want to buy no dress. The devil kept following me. I was going down the street going, mm-hmm. <laughs> And the devil kept following me, and he kept telling me how good I look. <laughs> Rev said, I'm not going for that. He said, every time you do something wrong, you blame it on the devil. He said, you blamed it on the devil when you ran the car to the side of the church. It was the devil. You wasn't there. How do you know? You grabbed the steering wheel out of my hand. Rev said, well, why didn't you step on the brake? He said, because when he grabbed the steering wheel, I tried to kick him. You can't kick him and step on the brake at the same time. Said we had a big fight. And that's why I was in the back seat when you all got the call. <laughs> Rip said, Well, how'd the devil get you to buy the dress? She said, I was going out of the And the devil sneaked up behind me. Sneaked. I heard him tip until you know. I didn't want to look around because I knew it was the devil, you know. <laughs> the devil came up behind me, he said, I said, uh, say, Mama, look at the dress in the window there. <laughs> I said, that's your size, too. I said, it's on sale, too. Got a lot of them flowers in it like you like, you know. So why don't you treat yourself to that dress? And I told him, you better cut that out, devil. <laughs> I already bought two dresses this week. I'm not going to buy no dress. I'm not even going to look at it. Devil said, well, why don't you try it on? I said, I'm not going to charge, charge you nothing to try it on. I mean, that's free. You owe yourself a try on. <laughs> Devil, you better leave me alone. And he shoved me in the door. The devil just shoved me in that door. He pushed me in the door. I said, Devil, stop it, please. You gonna buy that dress? I said, I'm not buying no dress, devil. And he pulled a gun. <laughs> devil pulled a gun and he threatened me and made me sign your name to a check. Griff said, well, look, said, how come every time the devil makes you do something, it's something for your benefit? When's the devil gonna do me a favor? And his wife tells him, he did already. I asked the devil about that. He said, if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't even have a job. God put us on this earth to laugh. Am I right? He made you a Lebanese. He made me a Jew. So what? We are people working for tolerance. What's your first name? Muhammad? What's your first name? Habib. <laughs> you put that on you when you have your dinner? Look at this. He gave himself a name. Habib. My name's Dada. How the hell did you get in the front? Look at the way they put him. He could pick me off in five minutes. Right in the front, I got a Fakakta Arab over here, a boozed up gypsy broad over there, three kids in heat over here, a German pain in the ass over here, two Japs that passed away, trick or treat Harvey with the turtleneck sweater, Ma Frickett sitting over there waiting for the Pillsbury Bake Off, the Spanish off, the store attacked the Mexican, and two Polacks on the end waiting for their truck to be fixed. And the bald headed guy going out with the nurse. I gotta get a table and sit out there and hear this. 
I say this, folks. Uh, murder. Gotta laugh about people, Habiba. I've met you before, haven't I? That's right, you hung my uncle. Anyway, gang, I know I remember. Where'd I meet you, Habib? Lake Tahoe, that's right. Barbara was pregnant. Are you the guy that made my wife pregnant? How do you like that? My kid's an Arab. No wonder he walks around the house all day now. Samala, Samala. Nah, it doesn't matter. Good to see you, Habib. God bless you. And I say this from my heart. We're gonna get every one of you. We're gonna have rope burns on your toughest when we get through it, yeah. All you had to say is we give up. No, you had to make a big stink. Nah, it's okay, Habib. We work for one cause. God said to me last night, as a matter of fact. That's right, tall blonde guy with a big G on the pocket with a stick and some shape. That's not him, there's a real weirdo fooling with the wife every night. Every night I come in the bedroom, I see a guy with a stick and some shape. Who are you, fella God? I'm fooling with the wife. Oh, okay. I'll wait in the toilet till you bless me. The Jewish guy's laughing and the Gentile took his wallet. You gotta know people, boy. Enjoy them. To all of you, my friends, and to you, Habib, as we say in Arabic, Shemahali Masahamala Kumanahakana. Which means you'll pass away Friday. Ah, you're all right. I want him executed at the end of the show and have the colored kid do it. That's right, I want to shoot that mother. We don't get a break of knocking off anybody. To the Negro guy, God bless. Have a good summer. A uh, little tip for you guys if you're out partying and starting early, right? Uh, maybe later on things are messed up. I just want to give you a tip. It's not gay if one of your buddies blows you. Hold on. Hold on. As long as you yell Slayer during it. Uh. I'll explain to anybody who's not familiar with Slayer. See, Slayer is arguably the most metal band of all time. They're like the Hank Williams of metal. Like, they're so hardcore, right? You know what I mean? And what happens, it nullifies any homosexuality. It's so metal that it negates that shit. It's really just a couple of dudes hanging out. It's really just a bro job, actually. <laughs> Suck that shit, bro. Slayer! Cup the balls, dude. Slayer! Hey, I got an idea. What about a finger up the corn? Slayer! <laughs> Not gay at all. Now you're right. It's a little gay. A little gay. See, the whole damn country is so damn conservative now. Everybody's like, jails ain't tough enough. Jails ain't tough enough. We gotta have a death penalty. Jails ain't tough enough. Yo, jails are fucked up, okay? <laughs> Don't believe the hype. The problem is, the reason jails are so crowded, because life is fucked up too. When people are broke, people are starving, life... <laughs> Shit. Life is catching up to jail. Shit, if you live in an old project, a new jail ain't that bad. <laughs> See, I was watching uh, HBO had this special on. The jail special couple of months ago. Now, normally when you see a special about jail, it's on regular TV, and there's a lot of shit they don't show. Oh, not the HBO jail special. Oh, they showed it all. They were interviewing a brother, and then they said, now, sir, when a new inmate comes in, and he wants some drugs, how do you initiate him? The guy goes, well, the first thing I do is make him toast my salad. The guy's like, toss my salad? Well, what's that? God, well, having your salad toss means having your asshole eaten out with jelly or syrup. I prefer syrup. I'm not making this up. And then the guy said, uh, no, why must you go through all of that, sir? Why not just oral sex? And the guy goes, well, when a man's sucking your dick, he can pretend that's something else. When he's eating ass, he knows his ass. between the electric chair or tossing a salad, I'd be like, so where you plug it in? 
shouldn't I be wet? And everybody tell, oh, schools are out of control. Oh, they're out of control. We need prayer in the schools. We don't need prayer in schools. We need to toss salad man in school. That'll straighten the kids out. Hey, Jimmy, you got a D. You know what you got to do? No! No! I want to toss the salad. I want to toss the salad. <laughs> The old toss salad man routine. That's Mr. Chris Rock. Before Chris Rock, we heard from Brian Posehn. His piece called Slayer. That's off of Fart and Wiener Jokes, released in 2010 on the Relapse record label. Preceding Brian Posehn, we heard from the Mr. Don Rickles from his Hello Dummy LP. Preceding Mr. Rickles, we heard Mr. Flip Wilson. The devil made me buy this dress. Not sure if that was his character, Geraldine Jones, or not. But I do know that preceding Mr. Wilson, we did hear from Miss Moms Mabley herself. Thank you for listening to this all stand-up comedy episode of Music On with Music Off. There's about 15 minutes remaining of this program, so what I'd like to do is play for you an excerpt from Mr. Albert Brooks off of his album Comedy Minus One. This goes out to my good friend Mr. John Solomon, who runs a record label of the same name. And then to take us out through the remainder of the program, we'll hear from the hilarious masters of storytelling, Miss Joan Rivers, Richard Pryor, and George Carlin. It's getting worse. I mean, there are, there are buildings that are... There's no building large enough now, it seems. A three-dog night just passed a law within their group, uh, starting, I think, in two months. They will play no more buildings of any kind. They will just play states and do... <laughs> do 30, 32 concerts a year, stand in the middle of Kentucky and play, and everyone pays that day. <laughs> Appearing in Kentucky, three-dog night! Liar, liar! 850. <laughs> I'm just going to Dayton. You heard it, you pay it. <laughs> what could the ultimate of that be? They get on a jet plane in New York and fly to Los Angeles and play in the plane, let the military promote the concert and have everyone in the country pay a dollar. <laughs> Excuse me, you two. See that plane? Yes, we do. Two dollars. <laughs> let me treat you, honey. My parents hated me, okay? We're all gonna hear the story, aren't we? My parents hated me too. My parents, all I ever heard, all I ever heard growing up is, why can't you be like your cousin Sheila? Why can't you be like your cousin Sheila? Sheila had died at birth. They just <laughs> hated me. They, whenever we go like in front of a street, they take, each parent would take my hand, hold our hand, we're crossing the street, and then they'd swing me into the traffic. <laughs> They used to say, take candy from strangers. And it's, <laughs> ask the funny man in the raincoat, does he own a van? And it's just, <laughs> no, I, I had a very bad childhood, and that's because, and I'm sure none of you give a damn, but I was the only Jewish kid, this is the absolute truth, growing up in an all-Catholic neighborhood. You know what that's? The Irish people. Only Jewish kid in a Catholic neighborhood. You know what that's like? You were all doing Hail Marys, I was doing Hail Murrays. I mean, it was just... No Christmas tree? No Christmas tree. Do you know what that's like when you're the only kid without a Christmas Everybody has Christmas trees. And nowadays, it's like, well, we do it for all faiths. It's such bullshit. Yeah, we walk into, a, into a, uh, an office building, and there's a Christmas tree, and there's a menorah. Bullshit! The Christmas tree goes up, 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 It's like a little shitty menorah with two orange lights and some angry Puerto Ricans lit backwards. I mean, it, yes! Juan, you lit those lights backwards. Fuck you, you killed our Lord. I mean, it is just... So, I'm at the age where I figure, screw it, I'm going to have a Christmas tree. I got the biggest Christmas tree in, I got a two-story high Christmas tree. I put everything you could think of on that, up, 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 gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. On the bottom, I got the, the manger, I got the whole goddamn thing going there, the wise men, the sheep. The only thing is, I have the baby, but I'm Jewish, I got him a nanny. It was just, oh yes. And I redressed Mary. She didn't look good, that stupid thing over her head, come on. I put her in a Chanel suit. 
Manolo Blahnik and a Louis Vuitton pocketbook. You're the mother of God. Look it. It is just... Am I wrong? If she had looked like that, she would have gotten into the inn. Yes. The point is, it's about looks. Mary, she looked good, she would have done better. Mother Teresa, <laughs> oh, don't give me, oh, Mother Teresa, if she had looked better, she'd be a saint by now. Was she a bow wow? Yes, sir. did she need electrolysis? Let's talk to each other here. Even lepers were throwing their fingers at her here. Get I remember I did something brave once, I think. I worked at a mafia club in Youngstown, Ohio, right? And I didn't know nothing about the mafia, because to me, like, my father was the baddest motherfucker I ever met. Because my father could do something in the wintertime few human beings could do. He could go out and lift the hood up on the car and put his hands under there and do some shit. And it'd be cold. I said, this is a bad motherfucker. <laughs> my dad is a mother man. So mafia didn't mean shit to me. And we worked, and they wasn't going to pay us. I worked with a lady named Satin Dow, a black man. I think Duke Ellington had written a tune about her. She was beautiful, man. She was 60 then. No, but she was fine. Lean on and have shit on her, man. She, she was crying. I said, what's the matter? She said, they're not going to pay us. I said, not going to pay who? <laughs> oh, motherfucker going to pay me? I know I was raised better than that shit. And I had a blank pistol. Now, dig how ignorant I was. I was 19, man. I didn't know I had a blank cap pistol. I bust in the office. You motherfuckers, get off the money. Doing my best black shit, you know. Cause that usually scared the average white motherfucker, you know. <laughs> you know how it is when you do something and a motherfucker just don't, you can feel there's something wrong <laughs> and you got the gun <laughs> and you're saying there's something wrong. There's some look missing in this motherfucker's face. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure that them men are still there today laughing. Because he started laughing. He just looked at me. This fucking kid. Hey, come here, come here. Hey, wait a minute, come here. Hey, Tony. Wait a minute, come here. Do it again, Rich. Put the gun up. Hey, Tony. Stick up. Come here, you fucking kid. Come here. Get a pair of gooseys on him. Oh, you fucking kid. Fucking stick up. Come here, you fucking uh, Tony, was you scared? Ah! ah what a pack of zingies. Ah, fucking. They always say some shit you don't know what it is. You got a pack of zingies. Ah, I got a Hey, pay everybody off. Hey, hey, look. Hey, pay them off. Okay. It's fucking kid. I ain't a fucking kid. They always want to be grabbing you. Come on. Damn fucking kid. Uh, grabbing your face. Come here. Come here. Hey, you want something to eat? And they let everybody go, but they made me stay. I was sort of like a pet. And the motherfucker kept trying to feed me shit. Hey, you want a little strudy? Hey, Paolo, fix up some frona, okay? Spring a little steeny on it. Fry it up. They like fried foods, okay? Smoking kid, huh? Come here. <laughs> hey, Paolo, yeah, get him a zine, man, huh? Just look at the fear, fucking kid, huh? <laughs> and that's some goosies, huh? <laughs> and then they start telling mafia stories. And mafia stories consist of motherfuckers that died funny. <laughs> that they killed. And if you ain't killed nothing bigger than a cockroach, that shit start worrying you after a while. <laughs> it's just a, these motherfuckers are serious. So let me tell you, man. Hey, man, hey. I remember me. I had to make my bones right here. This fucker me. What was his name? What, Johnny Salami. <laughs> we had to go to Cleveland. The Cabuzo Brothers. Remember they had the funeral parlor? You carry, we bury. <laughs> this fucking kid, come here. 
So I'm going, I'm going to make this fucking here, this fucking Teamster Big Mouth, you know, hurt a lot of people. So we go up, Ice Pick's my thing, right? So we're going to show him a nice fucking time, right? We're driving around, taking fucking bowling. Who is it? Come on, tell him I call him back. Tell him it's a fucking stick up. So we take him to a fucking motel. We tell him we got a couple of bras. We got shit for him. We got right. This fucking cocksucker, right? So we hanging around. He's drinking. He drops his fucking drink, right? So now I say, now pop the cocksucker, right? So I'm sticking him with this fucking ice pick, right? And I'm sticking blood fucking squirting every once in a way. And I'm going at he's, oh God, don't kill me. Oh God, oh, shut up, you guinea cocksucker, right? I'm stabbing this brick, you know what I mean? And the fucking ice pick breaks. Hey, Johnny, I said, Johnny Salami, what the fuck do I do now? I'm standing there with a piece of wood in my hand, you know what I mean? Johnny Delarge said, wait till it melts, asshole! Ah, ah, ah. Fucking kid, come here, come here. There's Johnny Salami, he strangled the guy. He's like, he's strangled, I stick, you know. What's the matter, Rich? You don't feel so good. Hey, get him a little bikini, okay? I'm losing you up, son. Don't worry about it, kid. I like you. I like this fucking kid. You want us to give you a ride home? Ah, me, I look at war a little bit differently. To me, war is a lot of prick-waving, okay? Simple thing, that's all it is. War is a whole lot of men standing out in the field waving their pricks at one another. Men are insecure about the size of their dicks, and so they have to kill one another over the idea. That's what all that asshole jock bullshit is all about. That's what all that adolescent, macho, male posturing and strutting in bars and locker rooms is all about. It's called dick fear. <laughs> Men are terrified that their pricks are inadequate, and so they have to compete with one another to feel better about themselves. And since war is the ultimate competition, basically men are killing each other in order to improve their self-esteem. You don't have to be a historian or a political scientist to see the bigger dick foreign policy theory at work. It sounds like this. What? They have bigger dicks? Bomb them! And of course, the bombs and the rockets and the bullets are all shaped like dicks. It's a subconscious need to project the penis into other people's affairs. It's called fucking with people! As far as I'm concerned, that whole thing in the Persian Gulf was nothing more than a big, prick-waving dick fight. In this particular case, Saddam Hussein had questioned the size of George Bush's dick. And George Bush had been called a wimp for so long, wimp rhymes with limp. George has been called a wimp for so long that he has to act out his manhood fantasies by sending other people's children to die. Even the name Bush. Even the name Bush is related to the genitals without being the genitals. A Bush is a sort of passive, secondary sex characteristic. Now, if this man's name had been George Boner, well, he might have felt a little bit better about himself and we wouldn't have had any trouble over there in the first place. This whole country has a manhood problem. Big manhood problem in the USA. You can tell from the language we use. Language always gives you away. What did we do wrong in Vietnam? We pulled out. Huh? Not a very manly thing to do, is it? When you're fucking people, you gotta stay in there and fuck them good. Fuck them all the way. Fuck them till the end. Fuck them to death. Fuck them to death. Fuck them to death. Stay in there and keep fucking them until they're all dead! We left a few women and children alive in Vietnam and we haven't felt good about ourselves since. That's why in the Persian Gulf, George Bush had to say, this will not be another Vietnam. He actually used these words. He said, this time we're going all the way. 
Imagine an American president using the sexual slang of a 13-year-old to describe his foreign policy. If you want to know what happened in the Persian Gulf, just remember the names of the two men who were running that war. Dick Cheney and Colin Powell. Somebody got fucked in the ass. Mm -hmm.